Hello, good day, good evening, and good morning, everyone. It's Kevin Finkel here with another episode of Magic the Final Frontier. This is episode number 56, I believe. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, Ryan can call me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, And this is a podcast where we talk all about the Frontier format, keeping our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Frontier. And my name is Ryan Schwenk. I am the Japan hobbyist out of Tokyo, Japan. Uh, my name is Tom Davis. I'm otherwise known as MTG Davis on the internet. I stream, and you may have heard my voice on commentary for various frontier leagues. Yeah, we're glad to have Tom joining us on the podcast tonight. Uh, we've done some work with him before. Like I said, like you just said, uh, he does quite a bit of good streaming. I know that you're trying to do some things with working as a streamer for Magic. And uh, I really like the content you've been putting out. So we invited you along. You've been playing some Frontier. And we think that it's perfect for what we've been trying to finish up, which is our Spike episode of the series we've been doing where we talked about Timmy's, Johnny's, and now Spike's. So the topic for tonight is going to be Spike's in Frontier. Uh, And for anyone who doesn't know what that terminology means, what we've been doing is we've been going through the different personalities that Magic has said are the type of players they try and attract to when they're building a set. So we talked about the Timmy, which is kind of the big, splashy impact cards, you know, fun, big things. We talked about the Johnnies, which were the the people who like to find combinations and interesting combos, ways that cards work with synergy. And then there's the Spike, who really wants to play to win. And not only they want to play to win, but they want to do it in a way that shows off their own personal skill. So they want the outplays, they want the knowing the matchup better and that gives them the edge that kind of thing so we're going to look at that and how that applies to frontier we're going to talk about some spiky decks and uh we're going to focus in on a specific one as long as we've got uh tom here to talk with us sound good guys yeah let's have uh tom give us a short introduction about his magic career or his magic history okay so i i'm from scotland so we have a small magic scene here on both the west and the east coast Um, Mm -hmm. I've been playing Magic since Dragon's Maze, and I got my first deck in Theros block, so not too long before the start of the Frontier format. Mm -hmm. Um, More recently, I started doing commentary, and most recently I went to GP Liverpool to meet up with the commentary team there and learn more about all their stuff. So, I had a quick question for you. So you started right around Theros. Does Frontier appeal more to you than like modern or legacy just because of how close it is to when you started yeah so i had a bit of funny situation i played a lot of kind of standard in the lead up to corset 2015 and then Mm -hmm. upon the release of can's block i played a lot of draft and then dropped out a little bit around Mm -hmm. battle for zendikar and origins so what i found really interesting is getting a chance to play with these cards that i didn't actually have that much time with whilst they're in standard and they probably didn't make it into modern or any older. Yeah, older so yeah, in particular, yeah. So cards like Hangerback Walker, I think, is a good example. A card that I mm-hmm. love, but I don't really get to play in many other places. Yeah, oh, I can tell you, M fifteen and Dragons of Tarkir, those were some great standard formats. So, so I've heard in my research for this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we jump into our first topic here? So we've kind of explained what a spike is. Let's talk, what we've done for the other ones is we've talked about what the spike decks in Frontier are and what some of the specific cards which are very spiky. So what do you guys think is the spike deck when you think about spikes in Frontier? Atarka. You think Atarka. So Tarka Red, one of the most popular decks in the format. It's the red aggro deck of the format. 
Yeah, yeah. I totally agree there. That's the number one. Probably number one. I think a close second would also be Blue Black Control. Yes, that's another one that really comes to mind for me. And what really comes to mind here actually is that standard format that you were just kind of talking about. Around that time, there were a couple of years where, you know, the pro players, they were really thinking, like, what's going to be the best deck of the pro tour? What's going to be it? And people went grindier and grindier. They're like, oh, well, pe- no one's going to be bringing aggro because it's so easy to hate out so i'll just bring this slow deck and then this even slower deck to beat the slow decks and for a couple times in a row there people went really really grindy and then it turns out that oh well someone's just bringing a tarka and they're just crushing everyone because of it so there was a couple pro tours there where tarka looked really really good and it was kind of one of these things where people looked down on it they're like oh well that's not the high skill deck why are they bringing this uh this atarka to the pro tour but it won so yeah they want the money yeah, so you know that's kind of the perfect example of even if it's not the most high-skilled deck to play, even if it's not the oh I'm going to outplay everyone, which I think that there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of outplay potential in Natarka right now. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's a deck that you're going to play to win. You guys it's said, definitely... sorry, carry on. Yeah, but you guys said that blue-black control was you know a spy deck. I kind of think it's more Esper. You know, one of the three-color yeah. yeah, control I think, decks, I think, is a little bit more tier one than the blue-black. I agree that that's where the format's kind of going to. I think that it's gotten a lot of strong cards very recently that have made it worth going over there. The Teferi, yeah. the... Yeah. We'll Absorb. talk about that later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I do think that blue-black control has kind of been the, the go-to for players who really want to have those they want to have a lot of control over what their match outcomes could yeah. look like so yeah. it gives you a lot of agency being able to have answers for every kind of card in the format being able to make very long plays where you're you're planning two three turns ahead and blueback controls the deck that most gives you that opportunity yeah for sure okay so so what were you gonna say tom um i totally agree with the the Esper thing, the deck's definitely been moving that way uh, to the point where I'd almost say blue-black X control is the spike deck with you able to take in the direction that you choose from that point. It gives you more options, basically. All right, so we have control, we have a Tarka Red. What other spike decks are out there? The big one I would go to would be Marvel. So we we'd brought up Marvel, I think, in both of the last couple episodes, and I was kind of saying, no, I see that more of a spike deck. So... It's and one I of those said, things no, it's like, a Timmy oh. deck. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But where I see it is that no one likes a Marvel. No one wants to be like, oop, I accidentally found Emrakul in the top six cards. I win the game instantly. But a Spike, they don't care. They're happy to win no matter what the means are. So even if that feels, you know, it feels like it's luck or it feels like it's cheap, I think that's something that a Spike will be happy to play if it's got good matchups in the format, which I think it does still have good, pretty good matchups. Yeah, the the Untap League doesn't really care so much for the Marvel decks, but it's still really popular in Japan. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's what I was about to follow up on. Over over here and stuff, we just don't see the Marvel decks at all. Nobody's playing them. Yeah, I guess it just in, in, you need a big enough meta game. You need enough players playing, and I think when you have a large enough player base, you got people playing it. But it's not. It's not one of the favorites as far as uh, spike decks are or go or sorry, as far as spike decks go. Yeah, but I think that kind of falls into you know people are playing frontier maybe but not because they want to maybe they aren't just there to win they want to play this different format because it's interesting they want to build decks 
And if you're doing that already, you're not going to play it all that much because it's a smaller format. You're less likely to bring something that's just like, oh, I make my opponent unhappy because of how strong this deck is. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what Marvel's always been. So I think that if it were a broader format, if we had a Pro Tour Frontier, I think we would see a lot more Marvel showing up. All right. Yeah. Next deck. Tom, do you want to take a... Yeah, so one that I've got down here. here is the Ascendancy combo deck. Um, yeah, as definitely... far as I'm concerned, this is the best all-in combo deck that we currently have in Frontier. It has consistent turn four combos. It, the longer it waits, the better its chances are of going off. And people, at least prior to the printing of Mortify, weren't really prepared to deal with enchantments. So it had really good matchups across the whole field. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that uh, Jeskai Ascendancy is both you know a Johnny and a, a Spike deck, and uh, there are a couple more. There are a couple more cards now that can deal with it. Uh, Cinder Vines was was printed that can yeah, hurt it a lot. Yeah, that's a good answer. And like you said, Mortify, but that's not a lot of that's people a great are playing. We we haven't seen a lot of good Mardu or Black White decks or. Uh, uh, red green decks recently so it's still safe to say that it is a a spike deck a, a tier one deck yeah for sure uh another deck that i've got down here is dredge yeah hmm. yes i think the dredge is very deck. much a spike deck it <laughs> and i think the reason you hate it is because it's got two game plans which work so yeah. incredibly well together the go wide and the go big thanks to delve the enablers are the same, so it's so hard to combat. It's also really resilient, so it just attacks on so many different angles at the same time that it's hard to classify this as anything other than a spike deck. It's not the most fun to yeah. play. It's not the most fun to play against, but it will win you tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, and that's exactly what we're kind of talking about. It's busted. As long as we're talking about decks that aren't fun, uh, what about the Nexus deck? Do you think that Turbo Turns slash... Turbo Fog, the Bant Nexus kind of decks. Are those spike decks or are those a little bit more of you're doing something fun in Johnny? Or is that like, oh, that's no, that's not fun for anyone. We're going to be drawing the same card for 18 turns. So I'm, I think in a couple of seasons, as far as Untap is concerned, or like whatever the correlating time for that is over on the Japan scene, that deck will be a spike deck. Right now, it's not quite as sleek as its rivals, and it has not quite so great matchups for stuff like Ascendancy Combo and the really quick aggro decks. So mm. at the moment, I think it's not quite there, but I think given time, it will definitely kind of kind of smooth itself out and it will get there. I actually kind of see it the other way. It, as far as its matchups, um, it's pretty good into the aggro decks, at least if it's well-made. Oh, what it really can't beat right now is Control. So I think that I'm glad I didn't bring it for Untap because there are a lot of Control decks right now. Well, you got Control, you also got some Tempo decks. I think Spell Quiller does a good job of stopping the uh, Reclamation. Hmm. And that sees a lot of yeah, play. So true. like the Bant Company decks, you know, would, would have a field day, you know, hey, there goes your win condition and I'm just going to play Value Creature, Value Creature, Value Creature. Um, Esper... Uh, the Esper Vehicles decks might also be kind of good against it as well, just because you can play Spellcrawler and you can play Mortify and and stuff like that, and to take you know take apart their hand. Hmm. I could see the Vehicles decks. You know, those were a very aggressive deck in. They were a very spiked deck in their standard formats. We haven't been seeing quite as much of them, but those white, usually black X 
vehicles decks are still a, a deck in the format, yeah. which is pretty cool. I think yeah. the vehicles decks, we're not seeing them, and for the same reason that I've not classified certain decks as spiky decks, and it's because it's doing cool things and it does it well, but everything it's trying to do, there's another deck that does it better. There's just a slightly more tuned or a slightly faster or a slightly larger version of that deck, and at the moment it's in a bit mm-hmm. of a strange spot. And it, all it needs yeah. is maybe one card to change that, but at the moment it's so, not quite there. Yeah, I yeah, think it's like pretty the, easy to say, hey, why not just play Tarka? And yeah. that's kind of the spike motto in Frontiers. Why not just play Tarka? Like sure. Esper and Mardu <laughs> vehicles is just kind of like, I mean, you could, it's definitely a spike deck, but it's not the tier one deck. It's it's the tier two deck. You know, like in in modern, yeah, people can be playing. You know this this deck like you know Tron, but not everybody wants to play Tron. It's like if you want to play a deck that's good that you can win with, especially if you're very skilled, that's something you could you know play Mardu vehicles or Esper vehicles for. Well, that's you exactly still it. Do well. no, yeah, no spike is going to play the second best spike deck. If you're a real spike, you're going to play the best spike deck. Yeah. So when you've got a deck that appeals to spikes, but it's not the most powerful deck in the format, it's not the kind of deck that you'll see much play on. Yeah. All right, so why don't we talk a little bit, if those are most of the archetypes that we really wanted to cover, about no, what... I have a, a lot more. Oh, you do? Okay, I mean, yeah. you, you feel free to keep going. <laughs> um, would you guys say Abzan Aggro is still a spike deck? I would say Abzan Midrange is, but Abzan Aggro is not strictly spiky. You know, because we have Help Collector now, and... Oh, sorry, those are cards, but... I would say that the inconsistency is probably what's been hurting Absan uh, compared to the more aggressive decks or compared to the more controlling decks. It just varies a lot on what its curves out kind of can be. So sometimes you're going to get a two drop into Anafenza and just have a great curve out. But sometimes you're going to be playing the, oh, I'm hoping for a turn four Siege Rhino and then to answer things with removal. And the fact that it can't always have the same game plan, can't always have the same kind of curve out, is a big weakness for that deck for someone who's looking for that kind of spiky consistency. Yeah, There's so sure. many new cards that have been added. I mean, we got the, sh- the Shocklands, which have made the mana great. The removal, you know, is, is really good in there now. And then you have a lot more value creatures that you can add into it. So I think it yeah, deserves a... a second look. I think Abzan I think it also deserves a second look. Sorry, I was cutting you off there. Yeah, I think Abzan is good. Uh, I'm a fan of the decks that are maybe going a little bit over the top, definitely committing to the removal mid-range plan. But the decks which are trying to play Pelt Collector in the same shell as the removal plan and the Gideons, I don't think that's really where you want to be because it's not long game enough to beat control in the bigger mid-range decks. But a lot of the time mm-hmm. you're just going to get outraced by the red aggro decks. So you're in a bit of an mm-hmm. awkward spot as far as the format's concerned right now. I agree there. I think that they've got the tools to answer Ascendancy with things like Dromoka's Command, Knight of Autumn. They've got the tools to answer Esper with things like the uh, the discard they can bring in, Tireless Tracker. They've got the tools to beat Atarka with things like Siege Rhino, Large Creatures, but you can't fit all of those in the same shell. You're going to be picking and choosing which of those matchups are good, and then the other ones are going to be really, really bad. So you'll be in an awkward position one way or another. So, Tom, I was talking to you earlier, and you said you had a lot of notes so did you have any other decks you wanted to talk yeah about so i would like to go a bit more in depth into the green black x mid-range discussion so as far as i'm concerned both jund and saltire are looking better than abzan right now and i think they both attack on different axes that you can call them different decks um like are you are you thinking delirium i'm thinking deliriumless jund right now i think the delirium mm-hmm. shell was good at a time but now you need to be more equipped to deal with the aggro decks so i'm I think all these green-black X midrange 
decks at the moment should be playing the basis of the Explore package that we see in the standard either Saltire or Golgari decks, depending on which format you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And then if you add Red, you get Colligan's Command, Dark Dweller, and then you have the option to close out quicker with Rabble Master and Glorybringer and that sort of thing. If you go blue, mm -hmm. you can go really long and you have access to uh, better discard, you have access to tons of card draw, and in particular Hydroid Crisis from the new set. So yeah, these are kind of two card. distinct decks, depending on whether you want to value or whether you just want to go, okay, I'm going to win now. But the, the efficiency in the removal package of Green Black X makes it really hard to discount it from being a spike deck in general. It's just so incredibly efficient with Assassin's Trophies, Fatal Pushes, Bedevils, Vraska's Contempts. It's, there's never anything you can't answer. And if I'm a spike playing midrange, that's where I want to be. I want to never see something and go, okay, I lose to that card. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's another card deck with answers. And I have seen that become a spike deck in Frontier previously. There was a season where all of the most competitive players decided that, hey, I think Jun Delirium is the strongest deck in the format. We're going to bring that. We're going to play Emmercoles, and that's how we're going to win the game. All right, so I have a couple more uh, decks that I wanted to go over, but I think what I'll do, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll say the, the deck name. You guys tell me if you think it is a spike deck yes or no and if you disagree if you don't think it's a spike deck please tell me why okay okay so uh humans coco humans or coco spirits like bank company or yeah bank company humans or bank company spirits yes or no i think it's a good deck i don't think that specifically means it's a spike deck it again lacks a little bit of that agency that the either faster i, I would i would rather be either more streamlined or have more agency it's kind of in between there uh what do you think, Tom? bant human company i'm not a fan of i think there's other decks doing it better if you want to be on humans play esprit humans you probably mm -hmm. want to be playing mantis rider somewhere in that list i don't think company's really the best show right now as far as mm -hmm. spirits are concerned if you're playing pure tribal spirits, I'm not a fan of it. If you're playing tempo spirits, then you have me interested. And whilst I don't think it's currently a spike deck, it's definitely a good deck. But again, I think there's okay. a difference there. All right, so next one. You talk I was looking about at both of those so we can talk about spirits. <laughs> so next one, you said uh, Mantis Rider. Um, Jeskai Tempo has put up some great numbers here in Japan uh, in past Hallelujah events. Is it a spike deck, yes or no? You know... Just for me, it's another one of those ones that's missing a couple pieces. Um, right now, I, I do feel like the, the formats have become more streamlined. If you're looking at things from a spike perspective, I want to be the turn four deck. Either That means either being a combo deck or an aggro deck. And if I'm not going to be that, I want to go all the way on the other side and be control. So mm -hmm. for me right now, it's missing a piece or two. It could definitely get there. I think that uh, the play of Mantis Rider into Aurelia is extremely powerful and something that people aren't really prepared for. Mm -hmm. But not quite there for a spike deck yet. Was uh, it a spike deck before? Yes, I think there were times in the format where it was a spike deck. Okay. Yeah, right now, I think Jeskai Aggro is, would be a spike deck if more people were playing it. I've been testing that deck a lot recently, and it is really insanely good. Uh, but we'll get into that maybe later when we get to discuss one particular deck. Um, as far as Jeskai Tempo is concerned, I, again, I just don't think it's doing anything the best that you can do that. If you want to be evasive, there's better decks to play. If you want to tempo them out, I think the Spirits deck is slightly better at doing that. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, I don't think it's a Spike deck. So 
Kevin, you were saying turn four decks. How about Sahili combo? Is that still a spike deck or not? It's kind of got the same problem I had with Abzan. I've built probably a hundred different Sahili decks, um, half of them in the last testing season, because I'm trying to find... I'm like, I know this should be powerful enough. It has the speed to beat something like the other combo decks. It could. It definitely has a good matchup against Dredge, so I'm like, if I can make it good against Atarka, it should be good, but I, I just can't quite get there with the deck. It should be good, but no one's been able to build it recently to be able to be good against the field. Okay, I'm going to say something a little bit out there that may make it sound like I'm big-headed. I think I've made it work. Uh, I'm keeping it under wraps a little bit right now. It's a little bit of a team secret. But hmm. the deck is good but not spiky. I think if you want to turn for a combo, Ascendancy is better. If you want to play mid-range in that sort of shell, you haven't. You have other options as far as the green-black X decks are concerned. And say you're putting in a control shell, why not just play control? So I think the deck's good, and it's attacking on something else, but even having built it to what I think is the best, I don't think it's a spike deck. Okay. All right, well, if you ever want to talk Sahili sometime offline later, I've tried pretty much every card in the format in the deck, so I can tell you some really interesting things. Hmm. Even if you don't use any of them, I can tell you some things to try, Sounds because fantastic. I've tried everything in Sahili. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to... Trying to make that, still trying to make that Chain Whirler work. <laughs> I'm gonna read off my oh. last. I'm gonna read off my last four. So hardened okay. scales, rally, <laughs> rally. Yes. Not okay. no, but uh, it's good. Uh, elves. No. No. And uh, red, blue, in soul. No. Not now. Okay. So all of those are fun decks. All of those have been strong at a point, but I don't know if they're inherently spiky. Uh, nothing about them says, like, this is very spiky. And in some ways, we're just saying, is it a tier one deck makes it spiky? But I don't think any of those get there. I think, um, maybe Rally, though. I think okay. in Soul is a tier one deck, but I don't think it's doing anything better than what the other decks are doing. It's an aggro deck that is interactive, and at that point, I'd recommend either Yeah, but I think it's like you can get turn three, turn four wins with in Soul Artifact and Shrapnel Blast. You also get them with other aggro decks is the problem, and I think the other aggro decks are just more consistent with what they're doing. So, mm. for that reason, I don't yeah, think so it's a spike deck. In some ways, I don't know if this makes it a Johnny deck or a spike deck, what it does, but when I see in Soul, I'm thinking that you're trying to prey on a different type of player. So, if you wanted to just win by being a red aggro deck, you'd be playing a Tarka, but if you're playing in Soul, you're saying, oh, people aren't respecting a certain amount of I've got this card, I've got this card, and mm -hmm. you're trying to prey on that rather than being the it's best deck just as far yeah, as a play-to-play. Sure. More of a metagame uh, choice. I do want to call out Rally there. I do think that that's, even if it isn't right now, it certainly was one of those decks that it's like, oh, there was a time where it's absolutely the best deck, and it probably should have been played even more than it was, but people were not wanting to because it's not fun for some people. Um, but it is pretty strong right now, actually. I do think that uh, if you guys saw the list in... Untap. There is a very strong or There is a very strong rally deck out there. Got a couple really big pieces in the last set or two. Yeah, I tested it a lot for one of the cockatrice leagues. I ended up submitting it. Um, couldn't play a couple of rounds due to time, so unfortunately my record is a bit misleading. But the deck does feel really, really good, and that was pre Judith. So, hmm. so should we talk about cards now, guys? Spike cards. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about a number of them as we've gone over archetypes, but if we want to go into some cards, that would definitely be good. The other thing I want to make sure we talk about is... Yeah, why don't we talk about this topic real quick now, and then we'll come back to cards, since I started yeah. to bring it up earlier, is what does the Frontier format offer a spike that they can't get somewhere else? 
So you have to tell me first, what is your definition of like a spike? Like what kind of person are we specifically talking about? Like for me, I thought spike was just a tier one, you know, deck player. For me, I did a little bit of research into this. I came up with the Wizards official one when I found an article on spikes. And they said that a spike is a player whose enjoyment of the game is derived primarily from competition and winning. Yeah, I would go along with that. And uh, I think I sort of gave my opinion earlier is that on top of winning, they want to be the outplay. They want to know the matchup better, know the cards better, have some kind of display of their own skill as part of their winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They want to they wanna show they're good. <laughs> so winning a mirror match is a big spike thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So, okay, so what do you guys think then? What does the um, Frontier format offer to Spikes? I think they offer a versatility in the style of spiky decks. Like we ran through earlier, there's go wide, there's go big, there's aggro, there's control, there's mid-range. You can be a Spike and still play a deck that you find fun. Whereas if you go to other formats, like Modern, for example, at the moment, if you want to be a Spike, you're probably going to be playing a really fast deck, whether that's a combo deck, an aggro deck, or a graveyard deck. It's just going to be fast. Whereas in Frontier, you can play at your own pace and still be a spike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I think I go off of a similar... I had one big thing that I was like, this is something good for spikes in Frontier, is that you're going to see more decks. In an older format, the the best deck might be one thing. You could be, oh, I'm just a Death and Taxes player in Legacy, never going to play anything else. That's going to be my tier one deck forever. And in Frontier, it's a lot more versatile as far as or volatile as far as you're going to be able to play the Atarka deck and then you're going to be able to play the blue black control deck and it's not prohibitively price exp- price expensive to be able to play all those decks as tier one spike decks so you'll get to change things up a lot more you'll get to see new cards come into the format and actually see impact on what you're playing and outside of standard which is you know we, we have our own complaints about standard you're not gonna be able to do that yeah yeah, I don't know if I can add much to the conversation, but yeah, I, I definitely think the spike players would enjoy uh, just getting out of the grind. Um, like you said, in in modern and the other formats, you always have to play that same deck, and it's also cost prohibitive to you know change things around because if a card comes out that solves a problem for this deck, you know that it didn't have before, everyone's gonna buy it. And it's going to send the prices mm-hmm. through the roof. So yeah, it's it's less cost prohibitive, but uh, also, you know, if you like looking at different ways to win, different angles, there's a lot more choices in Frontier. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest. I would say that if I met a person who wasn't playing Magic, but they have a very spiky personality, and I were to suggest a Magic format for them, it probably wouldn't be Frontier. I think that's just fair to say that we're small, we're not broadly around the entire world, there's a lot, there's fewer big tournaments they could go to. For those reasons, obviously Frontier might, right now might not be what would most attract a spike. That doesn't mean it's bad for spikes, it just means that there are other options in Magic that probably can do it, fill that role better. Yeah, I okay. totally agree with that. I'd probably be sending them probably towards Standard where the, no, where the known decks are good and the non-known decks are unlikely to be Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just somewhere that they can build up their their 
tournament level play a little bit mm-hmm. more. Maybe maybe uh, maybe Frontier is a better retirement home for Spike. So <laughs> if you're uh, <laughs> you're out of the current season, you get to still display your skill without having to keep up to what's new and standard. It's and not having to spend too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So did you guys want to move on to a different topic? Did you want to talk about cards now, or did you... yeah? Why don't we go on to that and talk about some cards that you think are particularly spiky? If we haven't already called them out, so I think we've called out, you know, Soulscar Mage, the the premier card of the red deck uh i think so, we've called out marvel already what are some ones that we haven't specifically talked about that really need to be mentioned I wanna... so spike cards so i was going to say so spike cards are basically a, a card that requires a high level of skill to use correctly hmm. okay is so that, that's is that how we should okay, look I was at more it? of just looking at yeah that, that's that's one way to put it i was more going to say just like oh what are some cards that are way too strong for the format so you're the spike for playing them but i, I think yours probably have some more interesting conversation yeah i would go somewhere in the middle of that i was saying that a spike card is a card which you put in your deck to perform a role and it will perform that role hmm. okay so what's your guys first pick fatal push what card fatal push may that's a fair card it is... I was going to say Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they both. A little bit right? on the other side of the spectrum, yes. Yeah, so Fatal Push, uh, you know, especially since we have fetch lands, you know, knowing yeah, when to fetch to, to activate it is, you know, very spiky. Knowing which creature to target, which what's going to be your biggest threat, you know, I, I definitely would say Fatal Push. Yeah, it's... The best removal spell in the format, in my opinion, thanks to the presence of fetches. And the presence of mm-hmm. fetches also make it a, a little bit more skill-intensive, such as, am I going to fetch now? Is it worth shocking myself later, potentially, to leave up the revolt for a fatal push I could draw? Or mm-hmm. are you just going to fire off this fatal push on a two-drop and hope they don't slam a siege rhino on you? Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly true. So you said Marvel, Kevin? Uh, I think I said Emrakul, actually. Emrakul, yeah. Um, okay. I'm more of on the less of the I get to play. Oh, there are, actually, there is a ton of skill to when you play an Emrakul and you get to control their turn. It mm. becomes one big puzzle of, hey, what is the best place that I can leave them helpless, leave them with the fewest creatures? So I've had some really interesting turns as the Emrakul turn of like, oh, I get to Kolagon's command to make me discard this card from my hand and shock myself. And I'm gonna bring this creature to block that. Like you, you get to really, it turns into one big puzzle, and that's a fun mm-hmm. thing for spikes to be able to play out that turn. Uh, it's also just a I get to have all the fun in the game card, so that's very spiky. Yeah, it depends on on how you're you're playing. Like if you're playing it in either works, then I don't know if that's really spiky. Uh, if you're playing it in delirium, uh, I I think it's more spiky because you, know, you kind of have to set it up and you have to use your skill. To be like, okay, I have to get this in my graveyard. I have to put this in my graveyard, and then I get it out on turn, you know, seven. Yeah, turn six. Emrakul gets a bit of a reputation for being an oh, I can cast Emrakul now. I'll just play it, but that's definitely not true. Um, it was a while ago now, actually. But when I was first testing, probably my favorite and least spiky deck of all, Tree Combo, uh, where you're trying to <laughs> trisk a deck of phobia people out with Tree of uh, Perdition, I had my mm. opponent. Emrakul my turn, but I had them in such a position that there was no way they could get themselves out of the Triskaidekaphobia lock. So huh. had they played their Emrakul a bit more carefully there, they would have been able to play it a turn earlier or a turn later after a removal spell and avoid just dying to this Triskaidekaphobia. 
But in that situation, they assumed it was not a skill-intensive card or not a spiky card, and they got punished. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. It is. It is a fun thing for players when you can beat an Emrakul. Although it's not often that. It's not that often. Especially with troops. Right. <laughs> my choice. My next spike card. I think Kolodan's command is a spike card. Hmm. That, that certainly has a lot of options. It's just a strong card on its own. Yeah, you have to kind of decide when to kill something, or when to make them discard, or what to bring back from your graveyard. You know, it requires a lot of skill to use correctly. Yeah, and I think again, it fulfills my condition of: does it have a role to play, and will it play, perform it every time? And the answer is yes, because it's never dead in a given matchup. The four modes on it mm-hmm. are so different to each other that you're always going to find a way to get a large amount of value out of it, no matter what your opponent's trying to do. I mean, it's like the whole reason that Japan players play like the four-color control. They could just be mm-hmm. playing Esper, but they're like, no, 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 I'm going to play Colgan's Command as well. Um, I think that just another big role player would be Smuggler's Copter. That yeah. card is always going to do a good job, and it, it's such a powerful card compared to everything else in the format. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, again, it has its role... It's an evasive threat, so it's going to hit for damage. It improves your draws, giving decks that otherwise might not have effective card advantage exactly that. And mm. your otherwise kind of useless creature on board suddenly becomes a 3-3 flyer. Like, that's no problem. And it gives sweeper protection, which is something people often forget about vehicles. No matter what sweeper your opponent plays, it's either going to kill the copter or a creature that crewed the copter. You're never going to kill both. And it also gives you... Uh, it gives you flood protection because you get to choose and discard cards. That's also a skill game. Yeah, it just improves the consistency by such a hard margin. It's hard to consider it anything but a spike card. What do you guys think of uh, light up the stage and skewer the critics? Kind of talking about newer cards here. Are, are these good spike cards? I think Powerful. light up the stage is a yeah, strong card. A skewer doesn't excite me quite as much. If it has a role, it's going to be in a very very one-sided burn deck and that's not a super spiky thing yeah pretty much agree with that again if we go in more in depth about Atarka at any point it's definitely something I'm happy to discuss because it's currently got the community torn a little bit in half as to whether those cards are good or not yes that is actually the last topic I did want to we're we're not going to go there just yet but that is what I want to do as the next topic we're going to talk about in a minute is Atarka and actually specifically what some of the best ways to build it are because there's a lot of variety at the moment alright let's get a couple more cards out yeah I have an interesting one I'm going for Goblin Dark Dwellers hmm interesting Goblin Dark Dwellers currently doesn't see much play but again it's there to perform a specific role and I'm a big fan of it in these Delirium-less Jun decks like Jun yeah Um, Grixis as well yeah so you can currently set up your removal in such a way in these Jun decks where you play Assassin's Trophy, Fatal Push, Bedevil, and then some other stuff of your choice in there. But all of it is CMC 3 or less. You don't have to play the Contempts anymore because of Bedevil. So this means that Goblin Dark Dwellers is pretty much going to be a Chupacabra with bigger stats and evasion and the option to get insane versatility flashing back stuff like the aforementioned Colin's Command. Like, I really wanted to talk about that during my... Uh during the Ravnica uh, Allegiance uh, preview, but I knew that, you know, Kevin and, and Matt were going to be like, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> that's not good. Don't play it like that. Uh, Goblin Dark Dwellers and 
straight John without explore package. I've tested it. I can confirm it is very good. Yeah, I, I think I, my weakness that I've found with those kind of decks is where you gain life. So Tarka's going to get you low. They're going to have some chip damage in early. They're going to have some burn late. And especially without things like Vraska's Contempt, I worry where you're, how you're going to stabilize your life total. Yeah, so I was a bit worried about that. So that's the initial reason for the Explore package, because Wild Growth Walker is insane. End of conversation. Um, yes, if you can main deck that, that would help. Yeah, so your main deck and Wild Growth Walker alongside 12 Explore creatures, which help you to thin your draws when you don't have it, and when you do have the Wild Growth Walker, are going to gain you a ridiculously unfair amount of life, incidentally. <laughs> and then the deck, rather than being like the other mid-rangey decks where they're playing maybe Hydroid Crisis or Amrakul as ways to close out, and you need to wait a while to get those, you just slam Glorybringer on turn 5 sometimes swing in, exert, kill a dude, hit you for four, and then start hitting for four after that, you can turn the corner a lot quicker than some of these other mid-range decks. Jund is definitely not spiky yet, but it's another one of those decks, similar to Fog in my opinion, which if people put the effort into kind of smoothing that deck off, getting it looking nice and pretty, making sure the edges are nice and round, then it could definitely be up there. All right. you have any cards you want to talk about, Kevin? I have one more I think I really want to call out, which would be Liliana the Last Hope. Um, not yeah. only is she an extremely powerful card, fills a role very well, but she also you know she shuts off people's games plans by just killing X or one X creatures, X one creatures. She can completely wall some things on the ground, and there are a lot of options with her. So you need to know when it's best to plus, when it's best to minus, and what to grab. And just her her ult being such a powerful win con is a really oh, yeah. cool thing. Definitely. Yeah, she's definitely a spiky yeah. card. At the moment, I don't know if the metagame's slightly different in Untap. Uh, I've not been playing quite so much there recently, and maybe in Japan as well, but uh, in Cogtrees and in the few games I get to play in Scotland, we see there's not many X ones, so her play's definitely gone down, but she's definitely still good and spiky, so fits in mm -hmm. here very nicely. Well, if well, actually, she, She's one of the two reasons there are fewer X ones, that and yeah, uh, for sure. Goblin Chain Whirler. Yeah, it's hard for tokens or like you know those uh, like mono white aggro to kind of do well when you're just gonna get them killed by Liliana. Yeah, it's like the deck building equivalent of threat of activation. We're not necessarily gonna play Liliana, but if you try it, we will. And you're mm -hmm. playing, and most likely you're playing Fatal Push in that deck as well. So yeah, it's just it's a. Uh, right, I might deterrent. have one more, but what do you have, Ryan? I don't think you've given a card in a bit. Um. Spellqueller and Reflector Mage. Are those spiky cards? I think Spellqueller definitely is. Because sometimes yeah, there's situations where it's better just to have your 2-3 flyer on board than it is to try and wait for the counter. Reflector Mage is a bit easier to play. It's definitely a good card, but I don't know if I'd put it quite in spiky. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're just defining spike cards as, oh, this is uh, <laughs> it can make some people's day miserable. Well, it's a powerful effect, but I mean, that. the skill level that you need, like, what card do you return to their hands? What card do you want to keep them from getting? And then, you know, being able to spell queller it when it comes back down, for example. So I think, I don't think you get, I mean, yeah, yeah I it, it is kind of like a Johnny thing, you know, with like, you know, technical play and, you know, combos and whatnot, but, but I think... If you if you want to win, if you like you said, making people's lives miserable in the format by stopping them from doing anything is another way to be a spike. I think it hmm. did get banned for that reason. Remember, so it does yeah. have to be pretty spiky to get banned for being unfun. 
I guess that's true. I, I maybe have a couple more. Uh, do you want to give one, Tom? Uh, I'm pretty much out, other than Dig Through Time, which I know you guys discussed on a recent episode, so we can gloss over that if we want. That definitely fits in that role player and a lot of options. Yeah, you know, both of those are skill tests, and uh, you have to decide what to exile. I can see that. Quite yeah, it just being, always uh, performs its card. role, uh, whether you're finding combo pieces, answers to what your opponent's doing, or threats try close out the game. Uh, it's never dead because of the fact that it could be absolutely anything when it's in your hand. So a couple cards I was thinking of are kind of the you don't give your opponent much option. It's just a extremely powerful card that does something big and splashy, but as a cheap card. Uh, Driven to Despair as yeah. really fits into that. Uh, the other one I was thinking of is Carries Out's Expertise. Hmm. I'm quite low on Carries Out's Expertise. I'm yeah. not a fan of that card at all. It's three mana or less, control it, and then it gains haste, and untap it, right? And you and cast then, a two or less mana spell from your hand. Yeah, I mean, it's good sideboard tech, but I don't know if I would see it as like a, a spiky card. We played okay, it. I just thought it was one of those... For the red decks, it's one of those things that kind of makes it unfair sometimes. Uh-huh. It just gives you that extra extra bit of unfairness on top. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, driven unfair. Despair. Man, Driven Despair, if they cast that and you like don't have any blockers or don't have enough blockers, it's just like you just suddenly go up so... Or they go up so so many cards, and then you have to like discard everything. It's horrible. That's yeah, a super they're never going to have card. enough blockers. I mean, when the dredge deck makes you discard your hand on your turn three... Yeah. There's just no way to... You, you can't play Kalidas to beat that. You can't play Languish to beat that. It's yeah. just... It's so much faster than what you can do. So yeah. <laughs> that's what's really scary from the Dredge decks. All right, why don't we move on to that last topic because we are going a little bit long on time here. So what I wanted to talk about is Atarka because it's been one of those top decks. I think people have been saying it's gotten stronger. There have been some good additions to it. It just got Stomping Ground is an obvious one. It got Cinder Vines, which I think some people are talking about from the sideboard. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. <laughs> uh, but what I'm really most interested in is that there's a lot of cards which fill the same role. So I'm looking at Risk Factor. I'm looking at Light Up the Stage. I look at Experimental Frenzy. And I even look at things like Treasure Cruise that people have tried using. And all those kind of fit in the same role of being it's a way for you to refill. It's a way for you to go long. It's a way for you to just get back value, which turns into burn from that deck. So have you decided on a single one of those that you always want to be playing? Is there a best version of Atarka? Um, I think that... Okay, so for me, to answer this question, first, the first thing you have to do is look at the early standard list for this game and where did the evolution of the deck first change? So the deck first came onto the scene in Pro Tour Dragons of Tarkir. And in this version, mm-hmm. you see one become immense, uh, occasionally two, and you see Foundry Street Denizen, the one-mana goblin, which gets plus one, plus one whenever a red creature enters, alongside some of the usual stuff and the tokens package. So this is kind of similar to the early Atarka decks that we saw in Frontier. Then mm-hmm. we move on to Origins, where Atarka itself died out and Mono Red became the premier red aggro deck. We still have some of the Born of the God cards in here, so we see Steering Blood, but in this version, it's all about the prowess creatures. So we have four Monstrous Ospear and four Abbot of Karaoke, which is the beginning of this eight prowess creatures early kind of strategy that we see. Crucially here, we also have Exquisite Firecraft, which is kind of the beginning of that burn package that we see as well. Then we move all the way forwards to Battle for Zendikar Pro Tier, where Pilo Vitor Damar de Rosa, he saw that everyone was playing tons and tons of tap lands, tons of fetch lands, and he said, okay, I'm going to take a Tarka. He turned up, Four Marshus of Spear, four Zergo, so there we see the eight one drops. Four Abbot of Carol mm-hmm. Keep, there's the eight 
uh, prowess creatures alongside two lightning berserkers. Then he brought dragon fodders, hoarding outbursts, and he did an interview on this deck, and he described it as a combo deck, similar to Splinter Twin is how he's calling it, because he had a good, uh, fair game plan, but occasionally just go, oops, become events, humor battle rage, I guess I win now. Now I'm just going to jump in here real quick. We have talked about a number of times on the show why that deck stopped being popular in Frontier. When, when Frontier began, that was the most popular version of Atarka still, but Fatal Push really changed that because you can't outgrow the popular removal like you could during that time where all of the removal was mostly red removal, damage-based mm-hmm. removal. Yes. So as far as Frontier is concerned, October 2016, Big Magic. I did my research here. I don't often look into the Japan scene, but I, I caught up on it. This is where we see the first notable finish for Atarka in October 2016. And, but the list is very different to what we see currently. Uh, it's Scythe Leopards, Voltaic Brawlers. Um, then we move on to November of that year, and across the 1K events, we see the Become Immense and Teamer Battle Rage combo coming back with blossoming mm-hmm. defense in that deck to help protect it. However, yeah. as Fatal Push becomes more and more popular and people realize how spiky that card really is, that version of the deck begins to split off and we see a temporarily a temporary downswing in Atarka because Soulscar Mage isn't yet printed at this point. So the deck isn't consistent enough without that oops I win combo. Then yeah, they we see to go they have to switch to the go wide strategy at yeah. that point. So we see Hour of Devastation. This is where Soulscar Mage is printed. And we also see Ramanat Ruins coming about in this time. And this is where Atarka begins to come back. And we actually see the splintering of the Atarka deck for the first time. So Atarka Red stays around. We have the go-wide strategy that so many players online especially associate with the deck. We have Dragon Fodders, Hordling Outbursts to fully power up both Reckless, Bushwhacker, and the Anthem effect on Atarka's command. The second one that we have, we have Ramanat Red. This is no Atarka's Command, much more similar to the standard variants of the time. They play the Deserts package, and they go a little bit bigger with Hazarets and Chandras in the main deck. Finally, mm-hmm. we have a deck that I know that you like, Kevin. We have Dark Atarka. <laughs> yes. Uh, here, there's just a massive density of one-drops. We see Zergo in the main deck. There's Lightning Berserkers are back from the standard decks. Boundary Street Denizens. Dragon Fodder is still present. Hordling Outburst is not because three mana for three one ones is not really where you want to be in the format anymore. And the deck is splashing black for Driven Despair, that card we discussed earlier, as that extra card advantage. So that's kind of the first introduction of, oh, red decks are pretty good when they can draw more cards. So it is, maybe you're going to talk about it soon, but like uh, Atarka Blue, was that? Also starting around that time? Atarka Blue um, is a lot, lot later. So okay. we see Dominaria come out shortly after this point. And it's at this time that the team Dalt, the team that I'm currently on, but at this time was nowhere near. They start messing around with Atarka Red. And it was the release of Goblin Chamber that got them interested. This ability to kind of sit and just burn your opponent out. They came up with this absolute abomination of a deck. They called it Dalt Tarka. And it, they played it into Untap Open Season 5. It was more burn-heavy than people had ever really seen before. So it was no longer just a blast that you had to survive and then you'd stabled, stabilized. We saw the prowess creatures getting in for early damage, the smuggler's copters really helping to get some reach, and then just an insane amount of burn to go along. And I think I do want to... I, I love the fact that you brought up the history there because I do want to say that we kind of had, you said you kind of had that splintering of those three, and I think that 
the most recent versions of the deck kind of bring pieces from each of those together. So yeah. you bring the the full package of one drops that the that the um the go wide dark Atarka had. You bring the extra power that the Atarka Red has by being Atarka, but you still bring the extra burn that the mono red versions have along with Ramana Peru. Yeah, so we then get to skip forward to the present day. The reason that everyone's listening to this podcast right now, why what is the best Atarka build right now? Where are we at? And the answer to that, there isn't really one because so many people are trying so many different things right now. We have Blue Red Press, we have mm-hmm. Mono Red Phoenix, Jeskai Agro, Atarka Red decks playing Viashino Pyromancer, Atarka Red decks playing Dragon Fodder, Atarka White, Teamer Atarka, Jund Rix Maddie Reveler Atarka. There are still Ramanap Red decks floating about, there's Experimental Frenzy Atarka decks. There's so many options here, and there are pros and cons of each. It just depends how much depth you want to go into right here, right now. (laughs) I think Steamkin's another one you didn't even mention that's also popular, and I think that version's quite strong as well. So there's people who are dropping the Dragon Fodders, there's people doing more or fewer, uh, not really fewer one drops, but more one drops. There's people who are cutting out on some of the higher drops as well, or putting more in. So I I definitely agree, there's a lot of ways it can go. I don't know if you had an answer for us for what you think the best version is right now. I think, Um, yeah, so the best version, traditional Atarka has this problem that I think a lot of people aren't aware is a problem, and a lot of people who were preying on Atarka weren't aware that this is what they were preying on. And it's what... uh, I've begun to call the two-drop problem, whereby you had Dragon Fodder, but it didn't really impact the board. Smuggler's Copter, really good card. Turn two, it doesn't do a lot, however. So you didn't really have a play on two that you felt really good about, which is where Blue-Red Prowess came in. Storm Chaser Mage, insanely good <laughs> two-drop play. It's flying, it's haste. It's going to hit your opponent, and then it's going to continue to fly over one of the best ways that people try to stop Atarka. That's the likes of your Kalituses and your Gifted Aetherborns. So that's where we end up with the likes of Blue Red Paris, Mono Red Phoenix, and Jeskai Agro coming up. And it's this presence of two drops that do work. And I think if you want to build the best red aggro deck, that's what you need. You need a two drop that is evasive. Interesting. So that kind of goes... In a way, that kind of answers the same thing I've found, which I like most in my, my Red Agar right now, is, you know, what I think the best two-drop for Atarka is, is two more Swift Spears or two more Soulscar Mages. So another adding another one-drop to the deck, I think that right now the... What is the the wizard called? Oh my gosh, why can't I remember his Get name? Getu Lava Runner? Yes, Getu Lava Runner. I think that adding that to the deck, getting more one-drops in, being able to lower the curve, that's a very strong two-drop as well, yeah. as being able to do one or two additional one drops so right now the format is very much prepared to beat straight atarka and like we say it's this preying on the two drop problem if you're one drop and your three drop die your two drop isn't going to do anything at the moment mm-hmm. so that's where you see this kind of change and although the decks may be slower and technically not as powerful in a vacuum they're less easy to prey on because all of your plays do something all right and you haven't spoken up in a bit are you not a big atarka person yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about how to beat Atarka and how to play Atarka. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how about my original question I had posed, because I think that a big part of this, one of the biggest decision points for me, I think, is where we're getting our card advantage from. Between Cruise, Frenzy, Light of the Stage, Risk Factor, maybe you could even count something like 
what is the one that makes you discard? Uh, Flame of Keld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, well, that one's probably not very good. What of those do you think is the best? Can you play more than one? Do you want a mix of them? Okay, so I think Smuggler's Copter is the best, but you only ever want two copies of it in your deck. <laughs> you only want two Smuggler's yes. Copter, you said? Um, okay, interesting. I, we started off on four, and it very quickly got cut to three in just about every matchup. And then I was playing three, and I started cutting it to two, and it's because... It's this two-drop problem again. On its own, it does absolutely nothing. And the best aggro decks are stuff where you don't have any dead cards. So I'm looking at playing two copies of Smuggler's Copter, and then your decisions after that depend on how many prowess creatures you're playing. Because Spectacle, really good, not quite Mm -hmm. so good at triggering prowess. Agreed. So if I'm looking at playing, uh, say, Jeskai Aggro or Blue-Red Prowess or Tarka Blue, whatever you want to call that deck where you have the Storm Chaser Mages and you're playing 12 Prowess creatures, then I mm-hmm. want to be on Risk Factor. Definitely Risk Factor. It's instant speed. It's a better top deck in the late game because you can recast it. It represents more cards, and often you're just as happy with the 4 damage, and it triggers Prowess during combat. So it's just mm-hmm. more of a threat of activation, which is actually really important when it comes to blocking. You can often bluff your way into 2 or 3 extra points of damage, just like, oh, I might have an instant sorcerer here, and really you're on all lands. As far as light up the stage is concerned, if you're playing the Monored Phoenix versions of the deck, I think a Tarka White is pretty good on this, as is the Jund Rixmadi deck. Um, you definitely want light up the stage. That card in a vacuum is absolutely insane. Drawing two cards for one mana is not fair in red. That's just not a thing the color should be able to do. It mm-hmm. just depends on how much synergy you want with the press. I think that's also good in mono red, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I forgot about that one. <laughs> I was going to say something. You guys didn't really mention black red, did you? Um, well, I've certainly tried it. Right now, I haven't quite felt it, but I would love to get to a point where I can play Claim to Fame again in that deck. Yeah, as far as that sort of black splash is concerned, I think you probably want to be Jund. There's not much reason not to play one Stomping Ground in a Tarkas Command at a moment. I could see that. Yeah, the only reason I could see is if you had fewer creatures, and that's not really going to happen. You're still going to have, at the very least, the prowess eight creatures. So I know in, in Japan at the Hallelujah, there's always that player that always plays black-red. Yeah, the like, deck has had players in the past. Well, but... It's not suddenly going to be a bad deck or whatever. But yeah. So we're going to have to move towards the end of the show. Really appreciate the history lesson, your take on Atarka, because I think it's something we're going to have to keep looking into on the future, but I'm going to move us towards the end of our show. I would like anyone listening out there who's liked the show, who is enjoying it, reach out to us. We're at MTG frontier on Twitter and MTG frontier.net is our website. Yeah. And if you guys want to contact me online, uh, my Twitter is at Yoshwanky and uh, my website is www.thejapanhobbyist.com. As far as I'm concerned, on the internet you can find me as MTG Davis, whether that's at MTG Davis on Twitter or just MTG Davis on Discord. I tend to stream evenings UTC, because I am in fact from Scotland. Uh, we stream Arena, we've been playing some Mono Red, some Solar Flare, which is a bit spicy. And you can find me at twitch.tv slash MTG Davis 27. Excellent. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate having you on the show. Mr. Davis. Thank you very much. And uh, so have a good morning to you, Ryan, and a good night to you, Tom. (laughs) Uh, And to everyone out there listening, we look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier Information Online. Your final Frontier, signing off. (laughs) 